It's time we honor the biggest lie ever told, that if we made money as a business owner or hit a certain dollar amount, our problems would suddenly go away, right? My name is Cheryl Dorsey. I'm a data journalist, a tech founder, and a longtime entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and have done what feels like all the things. Yet I still wonder on a daily basis, am I doing this right? As entrepreneurs, we provide more time than we have, risk more money than most, and sell or are sold to more than we would like to admit. It's my mission through this show to give you a space to honor the powerful builder and CEO in you, even when sometimes it feels like no one should have left you in charge. Incredible work doesn't come without painful lessons. Welcome to I think I'm doing this right. Welcome back to another episode of I Think I'm Doing This Right. Today, my special guest is the founder and CEO of VetDeck, multiple different businesses, a marketing maven, a government contracting expert almost at this point, and also happens to be my best friend of over 20 years. Um, That's me. Yes, so please welcome Enovia Bedford. How's it going today? And the crowd goes wild. And the crowd goes wild. I'm good, how are you? Things are good, things are good. I feel like you are at such a very interesting inflection point in business and in life. And of course I've known you through the iterations, but what I have found (laughs) so, like like we can't even get into like some of the craziest (laughs) stories, but I feel like you're at this interesting inflection point within your leadership journey, as well as as your entrepreneurship journey and I wanted to have this conversation because there are so many times where you and I have had those like breakdowns, not nose, like kind <laughs> of, you know, conversations of like, what in the whole hell am I doing as and I'm why? trying to realize this? Yes. But first, before we go into vet deck and you building out this incredible like software and, you know, business, connecting people to sponsorships. You started off in jewelry as a jewelry designer. So take me, take us through that journey. Well, um, I graduated from high school. I wanted to be a chef. So I was set on going to school for culinary arts. Um, and I was like, I can go to Johnson and Wales. It'll be great. And then I found out that I would have to do two years in Miami and two years in Rhode Island. And I was like, I'm not going to Rhode Island. This is not, <laughs> no more chef. Um, and, you know, I lived with my mom and she was like, you have to get a job. Like, you have to do something. And um, Craigslist is where you found jobs in, in the late 90s. All great um, things started <laughs> off with a job. So you're in, you're in New York at this time, right? I'm in New York, I'm in Queens, and um, I hopped on Craigslist and there was like a position to be the front desk person for this warehouse. I interviewed and um, they liked me, so I thought, but I didn't get the job. So I harassed this lady, you know, every day. I was calling like, did you give the job away? And finally she said, yes, we gave the job to somebody else. And I was like, oh, I really needed this job. She said, well, we have another position open in the design department. It's yours if you want it. And I was like, cool. And um, so the warehouse was twofold. One section did jewelry design and the other did home goods. So like literally like home goods, um, the store. So those um, 
fixtures and the yeah. little tables and pillows and, 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 pillows and all that stuff. Yeah. And um, so I worked on the jewelry side and my job was scanning samples and sending them out. So new samples would come in from China. Mm. I would scan them. I'd give them a number and then I'd send them on their way. And um, since it was mass produced, things would break all the time and I would have to take it to the head designer and say, can you fix this? So at one point, maybe like six months in, I said, if you sit down and teach me how to fix it, I won't bother you. Like, you won't have to see me. I won't have to interrupt your day. <laughs> and he said, all the years I've been doing this, no one has ever said that. Mm. So him and the assistant designer sat down for a week and gave me like a crash course. They were like, these are findings. These are what ear hooks are. These are all the parts of jewelry and this is how you can fix them. And about a month after that, I was like, well, if I can fix it, I can make it. So mm. I just started making stuff. And I was like, I'm just gonna make things. Mm -hmm. And I had on a pair of earrings, which i never forget. They had two brass teardrops and chain. And I thought that they were so cute. And um, the CEO walked by and he said, where are those earrings from? And I said, well, I made them. And he said, take one off. So I took one off, gave it to him. He went and made a copy. He went in his office. He came back 30 minutes later. And he was like, I just sold 10,000 pairs of your earrings. You're a jewelry designer now. And I was did, like, wait, did he give you a commission on your copyrighted no, work? Because I was 19 at the time and didn't, you and know, stupid. Even, and stupid <laughs> and just being excited to be there and have a job. Right, and I'm like, okay, right. well, I'm a jewelry designer now. I was yes. making like $12 an hour. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I'll give you $2 more an hour. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm popping. So um, that's the day I became a jewelry designer. So. I became junior a jewelry design assistant and I would make things. Um, and along that journey, I got really sick. Um, and when I was out, they replaced me with a person and then they had to replace me with a second person and then they had to replace me with a third person because they didn't realize how much work I was actually doing. For your, what was it, like 14 bucks an hour? For my 14 bucks an hour, they replaced me with three people. Wow. So they broke down every section of what I did to the design. They were like, well, yeah. she was making this many designs. Like, okay, so only one person can do this. And she, I created like a new numerical system for how things were stored. And they're like, well, she's the only person that knows how to do this system. So they had to bring somebody else in. And then the sending of the samples, because I was still doing that. So wow. when I went back to work, there wasn't a job for me because they had split it up and they're like, well, now. Now we really don't need <laughs> now you. Now we really don't need you. We figured out your systems. Um, so from there, I was like, well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go to Manhattan and I'm gonna be a real jewelry designer. I went to FIT where yes. we met yes. and I just, became like a real legit jewelry designer. Like yeah. companies would scout me and I would go where the bucks were and right. it just increased and increased until I had the corner office. And I'm like, I really did this shit without like- <laughs> Without anything. Without, without anything. Like right. I didn't know I was good at this and now I made an entire career out of this thing that just, you know, yeah, yeah. fell in my lap. Which I thought was so fascinating when I learned your story and we met in Italian class. <laughs> And I remember, like, I was like, she's so jazzy. I think at the time, maybe you had a mohawk or you had just cut your hair into, like, a mohawk. It was and, purple. Yeah, we were talking, and you were like, oh, you live it, blah, 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 blah. I'm coming to work out at your house. We're going to go be friends. And, like, literally have been friends ever since. Since, yep. And I was always so fascinated by you because I thought I was a hustler like as a kid but then i saw you turn your own jewelry designs 
create a full business and then you were like never at class. You were never in class. <laughs> I never graduated and you, right, either. <laughs> right. And you're like, wait, well, I have this trunk show to go do in LA and I got to go bring these samples to this boutique I'm selling my jewelry in. And you have this whole full fledged like business. At one point you were paying me and some other classmates to like come and support you. <laughs> and I'm just like, who is this girl? Like she is not out here playing with anyone. <laughs> so random I was so random I was just like these are the things that I want to do and yeah. I'm gonna do them like yeah. if jewelry is what I do now jewelry is what I do now because I never believed that you had to have one career mm. it's like if I want to be a chef I can go be a chef if yeah. I want to have a jewelry design company I'm gonna figure it out and yeah. I was um doing Shecky's at the time so I was on like a five city tour and I and I had a full-time job still I was like am I really gonna finish school and I was like I'm I'm not going back. I you had to go where the money was. Yeah, you weren't interested. I was not interested. But how did you know that you were doing things right? Because I was always fascinated by, you would come to class, you'd be like, yeah, I just finished the photo shoot for my new collection. And it would be like on your roof. <laughs> like, you'd like, you'd like take your rooftop and some friends who like had a camera and you're like, I'm doing a whole photo shoot. And then I'm gonna like put my website up with this photo shoot and like all of my my designs. And there's, there was just a sense of straight fearlessness that you had but like I'm like how did you how did you get all of this confidence to believe that yeah of course of course I can sell my my jewelry here of course like I can sign up for a five city tour and sell my work of course like celebrities wore were wear my items I, so I did a lot of stuff wrong <laughs> but I was gonna do it anyway um, my yeah. mom is super confident and I saw her growing up uh, she finished college in her 30s after she had me she would ride to school with me on the back of her bike and my sister riding next to us and I was like <laughs> so I grew up in a college library under the desk playing while she was you know mm -hmm. while she was working and then she went to law school after that and so mm -hmm. she's always done whatever she wanted to do so I grew up knowing if I want to do this I can if even if it's wrong I'm gonna figure it out along the way because right. a lot of stuff went wrong a lot of stuff went wrong but yeah. I was still like I'm, I'm just gonna see what happens I'm gonna be fearless I'm gonna try it you always say do it what do you say do it do it afraid do it afraid and I did everything afraid because yes. <laughs> I would be scared but I'm like I got a good poker face like when I first started selling jewelry um, we were able to buy bags from the company so the bags were like five dollars and I'm like flip mentality, I'm flipping this, right? So I would set up outside of, I went to Allen AME Church, and I would set up a table outside of Allen AME Church, because I knew all the church ladies was gonna stop. <laughs> I, would, I knew what they liked, right? I had my demographic down packed, and I would out there, and I would make a couple of hundred dollars on one Sunday. I would get there early, I would set up, and then one day the police came. <laughs> Wait, the police like, now are involved. Ma'am, do you have a permit? Right. They were like, um, you can't just do this. And I was like, I can't? Well, I've been doing it this whole time. So I'm like, oh, all right, let me pick another corner. Because if you won't let me do it, I know the guy at the deli and I'm going to ask him. So yeah. now I've moved my operation from the church corner <laughs> Your to the deli. To the deli. <laughs> I've relocated because I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to do yeah. that. So I, I would try things and let people tell me that it was wrong after. Like, oh, well, I didn't know. You right, know? right. That was it, like ask for forgiveness, mm -hmm. not permission. Yep. Hey, folks, thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope you're getting all the gems and all the tools from the lessons here. I just wanted to make sure I took the time to tell you about my new book, Upper Hand, The Future of Work for the Rest of Us. You can get it wherever books are sold. 
In it, I dive into the roadmaps of helping you, your loved ones, students, mentees, communities really understand and define strategies for understanding the language of innovation, entrepreneurship, and what's ahead. It's built with pages of exercises, lists of free or low-cost education tools and certifications, and a full 10-page list of what jobs will define the future, the salaries of those jobs, and prerequisites. If you've ever felt overwhelmed about what you need to get started in the tech industry or simply need a bit of guidance on how to create opportunities for yourself, pick up Upper Hand today. I definitely, I definitely like in knowing you know that like you do not ask for permission no. from anyone. Mm-mm. And I love, I love that. Um, so you, you alluded to this and I remember you telling me this story when we first met about you getting sick. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel comfortable now talking about that, yeah. but, but talk about like a very like life threatening situation that happened for you in your early twenties. Yeah. So I was super healthy. Like I was training for a marathon and I was like, you know, I was a vegetarian and all these things and I got this really bad headache one day and it took me out, like all the way out. Um, I lived by myself and I called my mom and I was like, there's something wrong with me, like you have to come. Kept taking me to the hospital, they would give me a shot, tell me it was migraines and after maybe about three weeks, um, I hadn't been at work, I went back to work and my eye like hurt so I closed it because you know I was like this feels good and then I wasn't able to open it back up Mm. and so I freak out and I'm like opening your eyes involuntary like you just open your eyes because and um went back to the hospital and they said come to the eye clinic in the morning I went to the eye clinic and there's doctors with textbooks and they're like nobody can figure it out and I'm like oh hell this is really bad And one young doctor, she said, I know what it is. You have an aneurysm Mm. and it's pressing on your third optic nerve. And she looks at my mom and she's like, do you have a car? And my mother was like, yeah, I have a car. She said, put her in the car and take her to Mount Sinai because if she has to wait for an ambulance, she's not gonna make it. So, you know, my mom is like bawling. And um, from what I understand, it's like, you just told me there's a bomb in my head and we don't know when it's gonna go off. So I need to stay calm. So I like, I like I was gonna ask, were you calm during this? (laughs) I was, because to me, it's like, that's what I heard. I heard you have a bomb in your head and like, if you make any sudden movements, it's over for you. Be cautious. Right. right? So right. I call my job and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not coming back. Um, I call uh, my high school best friend, Kim, and I'm like, Kim. And she starts crying. I'm like, yo, fam, you cannot cr- like, you cannot cry right now because if I cry, this thing is going to explode. That's right. how I feel. Right. So my mom put me in the car. So she's freaking out because like ambulance has lights and they have all of these things to get through. And we're in Queens getting on the Grand Central Highway. And her regular know, car. <laughs> in, her, in the middle of rush hour. In the middle of rush hour in a Mazda protege, like with the right. seat leaned back, trying to get to Mount Sinai, which is in Harlem. Right. And, you know, so we get there I was 21 at the time um, and they were like sign your name and have a seat and we're like this is not a sign your name have a seat situation and um, they couldn't find my paperwork because pediatrics goes up to 22 right I remember going to pediatrics at 21 and I felt stupid because I'm like sitting here with the children yeah sitting here with the children because right. we were in the wrong section of the hospital because it's like wow. you're an adult so we had to go to the other side mm. um, and they're figuring it out and they take my vitals and the nurse, the um, doctor told my mom, 
keep flashing a light in her eye. She gave her like a little light and she said, when her eye stops moving, then you'll know that it's like nothing really can be done. So she's checking my eye every, you know, every so often. Oh my gosh. At one point in time, I went in the bathroom and I started throwing up blood. And I was like, Lord, let me make my peace now. Like, <laughs> if this is it, I'm sorry. Oh I my hit gosh. my sister when I was 12. Like, I'm just like <laughs> asking for forgiveness for everything. Right. Um, I come back out, my mom checks my eye and she's like, You're, it's not moving. So she's crying and they basically tell us, well, you know, we don't have the staff, we don't have the surgeon that we need to do this. So we're gonna sit her in ICU and if she makes it to the morning, then we'll do the surgery. So my mom, you know, lawyer brain is like, if she makes it to the morning, <laughs> right? like, like Miss Charlotte is going off and my sister's trying to calm her down. Like, let's not take attention off of, you know, where it needs to be. and. I'm in the back room, like my mom calls my uncle, like everybody is praying. I could like feel the room filling up and I'm like, are y'all here to take me? Like what is going on? Right. It was just like so much energy in the room and um, everybody is praying just so hard and a doctor comes in and is like, I'm here to do the surgery. And mm. they ran me out of there. He was like, are you ready? And all I could do was go, let's do this. And they ran me out, cut me from here to here. 24 staples uh, later, I woke up and my eye was still swollen shut. Um, couldn't find my family, so I'm going off because now, you know, my eyes closed. I'm drugged up. I'm cursing the nurses out. Oh, you know no. how I get. I'm like, where's my mother? Where's my mother? <laughs> like, I'm going crazy. Oh. Uh, they find her. I spent 10 days in the hospital. Recovery was very long. Yeah. It took about seven months for my eye to open back up. So crossing the street was hard. <laughs> like, did you wear a patch? Like a bedazzled I did. patch? I made a bedazzled patch, I know of you course, did. because I was like, I mean, if we're going to do it, we're going to make <laughs> gonna it fashion. Gonna do it right. <laughs> we're going to have a one eye. We're going to make it fashion. If I got to be a pirate, I'm going to be, <laughs> you know, the flyest pirate out there. Um, and so, you know, I got home and it was, it was hard and it was very traumatic and it yeah. was like, I was saved for a purpose, so I'm going hard. Like, if yeah. I, I remember the nurse, I could hear them in the hallway after surgery, and they were like, well, she's gonna have to learn how to walk again. She's gonna have to learn how to feed herself again. And when they came in the room, I was in the bed like this. And they were like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm stretching. Like, when I get off this bed, we walking. Like, <laughs> we, running. we running, we got we a marathon jogging. to get to. Yeah. yeah, so I didn't run, but I, I took those steps, and I've never stopped stepping since. I love that, that is such a powerful story. It's okay. so powerful. And just the fact that this this traumatic event did not slow you down, because I may have been like so much more cautious. <laughs> like it has never slowed you down. This You're is why I cautious. keep telling you yeah. that I have to get you a life alert because <laughs> a life alert bracelet. Because you'll be like, oh, I just bumped my head, and I just you know I'm going to the supermarket, and I'm like. Can we take you to the hospital? Because I I'm feel like, like no. that's not good. Yeah, you're, you're good make me go to the hospital, friend. I appreciate that. <laughs> because I I'm like, go. we got to keep you around. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I love this. You, you've, you've kept stepping. You've kept moving. And I know that you and I had very similar, like, quarter-life crises, right? You know, the, the recession hits. We're both trying to figure out and navigate, like, where do we go next? You know, you've had this amazing and lucrative business and at some point you're like all right i've got to take this to the next level and you get a license for a brand and they're like you're the only person that owns this license and 
you know, you're in the process of like getting it distributed and then like figuring out these kind of next tier, maybe version of yourself. Maybe talk about like those transitions and what you feel like maybe you got really, really wrong during that time. <laughs> oh, everything was wrong during that. <laughs> that is, that's what took me out of jewelry. Like that was like the nail in the coffin for me that took me out the game. Mm. I was like, this, I can't, this is too stressful. I can't do this. Um, you were there. Yeah. I took my laptop and I went into that office and I presented, I was like 24 and I'm like, y'all gonna give me this license and I'm gonna do this, this and that. And they gave it to me. And um, I was able to do things fast. Like I set up meetings, it was for a bridal line. So I like set up meetings with David's bridal really fast. And I got the partnership with Swarovski and it was like things were moving and going. And then what storm was it? Oh my gosh, there, there was were a so storm. many. It was oh one of the gosh. big storms. Yeah. It was one of the um, the big storms. And one of the companies that I worked for allowed me to house my jewelry at their factory in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. I, I ended up, I ended up, up in Rhode Island, Island anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and they let me house my jewelry there. So like my samples, some would come to me, but like the, the larger things for orders would go to them because I wanted to make sure that, you know, it's that like, I gotta make sure everything is good before. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't do was make sure that I was covered on insurance. Mm. So it's all this product in the warehouse and the warehouse gets flooded. And now it's like, okay, well we can, you know, file insurance, but my brand wasn't listed as one of their brands and I wasn't. So I lost everything. I lost everything. I lost all my money that I had put into the samples. I had to Ugh. continue to pay for the license for stuff that I could not sell. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, that every month they're asking for their money. They're asking for their thousands of dollars because by now I should be able to, you know, to pay for that, it. Right? Yeah, but right. it's like, I have no product. I have no nothing. And it's like kind of ground zero. And it definitely put me in a state of depression. Like mm -hmm. I was like, this is what, because along the way, I realized that I never was a really good jewelry designer, honestly. Like, <laughs> I wasn't. Being at FIT. I felt like that when I was being a tap dancer. I was like, I was okay, but I wasn't great. Right. Like, I, I had these Broadway dreams, but it was like, you're good, but you ain't like great. Like, you're good enough. <laughs> like, you're good enough to cross these thresholds and get you to where you need to be. But yes. in terms of being like an amazing designer, I would see people that would look at this flower and they'd be like, and like create an entire line around mm -hmm. it. And I'm going through bestseller reports like, oh, if she bought that hoop, you know, gold, we can put some enamel on it and she'll buy that too. We can make it a stack of bracelets. We can make it a stack of rings and she'll continue to buy that. Mm -hmm. So along the way, I realized that I was a much better marketer than I was a designer. Mm -hmm. And okay. so I think that when all this stuff happened with the license and the loss of jewelry, it was like, I don't have to do this. Yeah, it's almost like life's way of saying, all right, it's time for you to now move a bit more towards where you're supposed to be yep. to an extent and listening to that. And I think that that is really fascinating because as you're retelling this story, and of course like, I was there for so much of it, but like as you're retelling it, it's like, okay, yes, that deck makes so much sense because you had been doing all of the things to land the partnerships, to land the licensing deals, and now you've been able to apply a lens of tech as well as that marketing and business prowess to help others do the same thing. And so none of that was wasted. No, I think that it was all part of the plan. Like right. even in jewelry, that's when I learned how to walk with, work with Walmart. Mm -hmm. So after I left one company, I spent two years just consulting businesses on how to do business with Walmart. Mm -hmm. Like that's all I had to do. I didn't have to design anything. I just had to say, oh, 
do you know the process? This is how you get through the process and actually land the contract. Right. And all of that, being able to work with them, we worked with them on sponsorship deals. So a mm -hmm. lot of the companies and brands, it was like, I'm familiar with your processes already right. in one way. And I know that it probably translates throughout the rest of your company. So it was kind of like, I mean, my steps were messy, <laughs> but they were as orchestrated. They are, everyone. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what was the name of the hurricane? Like, there have been so many since then, but just the, like there was, I feel there like was, it was like Irma or somebody. I feel like it was right. like one of the random names. So, I did an episode with Josh Mundy, and he talks about a full tornado and hurricane. I don't know the difference between a tornado and a hurricane. I probably should at my big Hurricane age. is rain, tornadoes are the spinning winds. Okay, so something Nate destructive. <laughs> Your your five year old son taught you that. Yeah, he's he's a genius. Yes. I need to go to him for some life advice. But but Josh Mundy was talking about how like a tornado like literally took down his building. Like he had a commercial building and it just crumbled. And he's like, and in that moment it was like, it took me like two two months of mourning. But it was like, all right, what's next? Like, clearly this is not supposed to be it. Like, we're supposed to be doing something else. And the mourning process for businesses, I feel like people don't let themselves go through it because mm -hmm. it's not a person, it's not a thing, but it's like you poured so much mm -hmm. into it. You have to mourn it. Like, I, mo I mourned. I did. How did you mourn? What was your mourning process like? I smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> That's very real. That's I very did. Real. I smoked a whole lot, and I like would go to the water. I would hang out with my dog. I would go on twelve my twelve mile long bike rides for no reason, just to you like sound like a California hobo. <laughs> I lived a very California hobo life. Like that's really um yeah yeah yeah. I cried a lot. Yeah. You know, I got, I used like the energy for other things. So I got, remember I got really in shape. Like mm -hmm. I was super snatched. Cause I was like, well, if I'm going to suck at business, my body going to be banging. <laughs> Maybe I'll marry a rich man. Like something is going to get me to this goal. <laughs> you got a new plan. <laughs> so you and I both left New York after some time, right? You know, lots and lots of whole hustle and I always have this kind of love-hate relationship with New York. I feel like New York taught me how to hustle, but also it stripped away my understanding of like creating a life mm -hmm. and having peace be the center of that life. I ended up in Charlotte a year later. You were like, hey, like I'm working with these VCs. I'm doing this really cool thing. Like I'm like launching it in Charlotte. Like, should I move? I'm like, yeah, come, come hang out. That's not what happened. That is what you happened. You made me move to Charlotte. Fine. I was trying I was to say looking it delicately at for the cameras. No, we're going to be real. <laughs> I wanted to move to Austin and I was looking at Raleigh and she was in Charlotte and she was like, come to Charlotte. And I was like, Charlotte, I've never thought about Charlotte. And she's like, it'll be great. You come. And I was like, okay, I'm moving to Charlotte. See? Perfect. <laughs> I like my version of events better, but this I mean is the VC fine. thing, and that was linked. Well, because I needed, I was like, I need money if I'm going to be in Charlotte. So right. I was consulting for a company that didn't have a chapter in Charlotte, and I was like, well, let me see if I could, you know, figure it out. Have them pay me to right. come and launch it, and that's what happened. Yes, yes. Hey, folks, my new podcast is not the only place to get tips and gems and updates from me. You can also go to my website at ShereldDorsey.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter, where I share thoughtful essays on productivity, innovation, business, as well as new projects I'm working on. I'd love to have you share this podcast and give me a shout on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or wherever you're being social these days. And if you're enjoying the content thus far, don't forget to leave your girl a review. Okay, now back to the show. 
And like along the way, you land these really cool opportunities, you know, marketing director of like a major like restaurant chain. And, you know, along that process, you know, we're also managing this world of black men being killed in the streets. And it hit very close to home one year when Keith Lamont Scott was killed. Mm-hmm. And that was like 15 minutes away from your apartment at the time. And I remember in the middle of like us trying to figure out like what do, what do we look like in the city of Charlotte? How do we plug into innovation and tech and VC and like do all these really cool things? But at the same time, how do we like prevent this from happening? And coming together and creating this like hub called Black Tech Charlotte. And I tell this story all the time, but like, what is your version of events? Like, why did you say like, yes, let's go ahead and do this, Cheryl? Well, I was really pregnant, right? And I was pregnant with a boy. And this is something that I suffered with the entire time I was having him. I'm like, I'm big. His daddy's big. Somebody gonna try and get my son because he's gonna be big for no reason. Like, his Mm -hmm. dad is 6'4". Like, Nate is going to be big. And he's going to appear older than he is. And I called you and I was just like hysterical. And I was like, what am I gonna do? Like, what are we gonna do? And you were like, well, because you're you're very diplomatic with things. You're like, okay, well. You're you're very journalist. Like, okay, well, let's look at this. And you're like, we these this is how we can solve these problems. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> like it was basically like that makes sense. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it because we have to figure out what yeah. our next steps to move forward as a whole. That brings me to when you found out that you were having a little boy, and it was the funniest thing because like <laughs> it'll be like like the way you say things is like hilarious, but it's hella real. And I remember you coming home one day. Cause I always found a way to live with you. I was yeah. always like, can I just live with you? <laughs> You're like, <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> I literally like, like get rid of my apartment and be like, I'm gonna go move in with you. <laughs> and I remember you came home one day and you were in tears and I was like, what is wrong? And you're like, my daughter has a penis. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what am I supposed to say to this? Yeah. You're having a little boy and you were hysterical. I was hysterical. I was like, there's a penis growing inside of me. Like, <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> and as you were talking like, like I have to protect, I have to raise a little black boy in this country. And the very realness of that moment and like all of the hustle, all of the like dream big, move big, none of those things mattered. No. It really was the thinking of like, how do we create a safer world? And every time I think about that, it's like, it was so funny for you to say, but it was so real. It was like, my goodness. We keep watching this. We, we're watching Trayvon Martin. We're watching Keith Lamont Scott. Like, there is no safe space. How do we create safe space? How do we create a safe space? Yeah. And when you literally came home and just started like bawling, I was like, my goodness, like to have to think about this on, and as you are, as baby is in utero, like this is a very yeah. real reality. It's very real. And it's like, what do you say and how? And you know, I, my mouth has never been um, filtered. So my son is very cute. He's actually cuter than I thought that he would be. And so people always tell him how cute and how handsome he is. And it's a a lot of white people. And I say, when you see a 14-year-old boy, remember my son. And their faces are always like, because he's the same cute little boy. He's going to be 14 and you're going to cross the street and you're going to grab your bag. But now you're telling me how cute he is and, you know, all this stuff. But, like, he's still going to be that. And their faces change. And I'm like... That's exactly what I needed. <laughs> like your face just told me exactly what I need to know about you. Cause you don't even realize you do it until somebody says something like that to you. Yeah. 
Yeah. When does the cuteness turn into fear? And I think about like, we can, you know, we can talk about like building companies. We can talk about hiring teams. We can talk about tech stacks and raising capital and all of these kinds of things. But the real every day of, of, of lived life, of you as living life as, as a parent and all of these things affect how you show up. They affect how like you show up even for your team and why you build what it is that you build. And where do you see like yourself today? Like, is this the person that you decided you wanted to be or, or did you know that this was gonna be the version of your of yourself? As you, the first day you decided to pop up that table at the AME church <laughs> selling your jewelry, did you think like, this is the person that I'm actually gonna become? You know, I just kind of go from year to year and kind of appreciate every version of myself. Mm -hmm. Like even being a mother, the mother that I thought I was going to be is nowhere near the mother that I actually am <laughs> because that's not the mother that my kid needs. Like I'm the mother that I'm like, oh, this is the mother that you need. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of stuff that I feel like before, like, oh, my kid is never going to do this. My kid is never going to do that. I come from with a, from a very different perspective or even like building a team and how I work with my employees now. Hey, boops. Um, <laughs> and how I work with my employees now. It's, it's very different than what I thought that I was going to be. And mm -hmm. I think that as the community changes as a whole, because I mean, I learned to do business from white men. Yeah. That's who taught me how to do business. And I found myself doing business in those ways. And I'm like, I don't have to be this harsh. I don't have to talk to people like this. Like, I don't have to mimic that. My business can be who I'm, what I want it to be. So in that regard, I'm a very different person than I thought that I was going to be. Yeah. And I'm glad about it. Yeah. Because that other person, yeah. child, she would be on the blog. Y'all be talking bad about her. You'd be calling <laughs> me a mean girl. Like, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> No, I totally hear you. And I and I want to circle back to us creating Black Tech Charlotte and yes. like all of the emotion that sparked it. And what do you feel like we got right in doing that? I think that we got it right by not stopping. Mm. I think that with every milestone, we were looking at each other like, oh, shit, we got to keep going. Mm -hmm. We were like, this is really a thing. Like, you know, it... It, didn't, it wasn't never really supposed to be a company like it formed to be. It was like right. anytime something started going right, we went with it. And like yeah. your leadership was so great because it's like, okay, well, this is working, right? We never thought that there was gonna be a component that placed people in jobs. Mm -hmm. that, was not, that was not what it was supposed that was to be. Like, that's not what it was. And it was like, oh, this is working. Let's go here. Up oh, now we're running Tech Charlotte for the city of Charlotte. Let's go here. Okay, we're going to give away 25 bikes. Let's do this. So it was kind of like when things felt right, we went with it. But when things felt wrong, because I've had some conversations with brands and I've hit you like, we are not taking their money. Yeah. We are not working with them. I don't care how much money they're going to give us. Right. So I think that from our other businesses, when um, we came together to do this, we weren't clear on what it was going to be, but we were clear on what it wasn't going to be. Right. Right. I love that. And we eventually decided to sell. Yes. And, you know, as I, as I think about the things that we had to stop in order to see the greater picture and vision for ourselves, selling was hard because we saw that the work needed to continue, but we weren't the ones to continue leading it forward. And like, I would love your thoughts on like deciding to let something go. So I, it's doing so great. Like, I love what they're doing with it. I check in often and I'm like, I'm proud of y'all. Like, keep, keep going, going, you know, keep going. Um, but it was it was hard, but I feel like it was time. Um, I feel like when you're in markets that 
don't respect black women, it makes things extremely harder mm. than it needs to be. And we were, it's like, we were all kinds of like, are we, are we really gonna fight this? Because we're doing this for your people. Like we're doing this for this. This does not benefit me. Black Tech Charlotte did not benefit me. It did not benefit you. It did not benefit Frida. It benefited mm. the people. And to have all of the things happening that happened, it was like, this is for the greater masses and y'all are really trying to crucify us at every chance that you can get. So for me, it was like, it was hard to let go, but yeah. I really feel like there needed to be a man in a leadership role in order for it to get to where, <laughs> yeah. like, honestly, in order for it to get to where it needed to be, I feel like that's what needed to happen. And we were like, well, you know, at some point in time, if we want to come back and do this with our own resources, like, we can, but we were in a position where we were doing it with other people's resources all the time. And it was it was a hustle. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was hustle after hustle, year after year, and we all had to put our own separate things on hold. Right. So it was like, we're all trying to build, and I had a full-time job. Like, we had full-time jobs the majority of the time we were building it, plus other businesses. So it was kind of like, what y'all trying to do? Because I can't do this much longer. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm tired. Well, you're also <laughs> parenting as well. So that was a lot of layers. It was it was a lot of layers. So it was definitely bittersweet. Yeah. Um, I love the new logo. It was kind of like, it was a little jolt to my system when I got the email. I was like, this and And then I was like, all right, let me send it to y'all and see what y'all think first before I make my comments. And everybody was like, it's so good. It so is. things is. like that kind of are like, okay, we made the right yeah. decisions. But sometimes like people will still introduce me like, oh, this is one of the founders of Black Tech. I'm like, yeah, but like it's, you know, it's over there. Yeah, you know, yeah. connect with it's them. It's nice to look back and to see something that you created that you can move on from it and know that it can exist in its next form. And like maybe that is just like the mission here. It is to create, let something be great in the world and do, make it service and move forward so you can keep going on to the next and the next and the next. And I think that was a very important lesson because that wasn't that was my second acquisition my first was just like assets mm -hmm. and with that it was it kind of felt good like i can just build stuff that people want to buy and then i can do something else because yeah. you know i said i don't, never saw myself having one career so it's like and it put me in that mind frame again of like okay like vet deck isn't forever right? right i'm not building a company that i want to pass down to my which i feel like black people we love doing we love being like well i'm gonna buy this laundromat and my kid's gonna run it for the next 50 years even though your kid wants to produce music or do something else and i kind of feel like it showed people that you have other options. I had a lot of conversations with black business owners in Charlotte mm. after that, that was like, yo, I never even thought about selling my company. Like, can you walk me through the process? Like, how can I do mm. this? Because I wanna do something else and right. I felt stuck. Felt so stuck I think it trapped. opened up the conversation for people to say, I don't have to keep this thing forever mm. until it, you know, until my grandkids run into the ground. <laughs> That's freedom, right, right, absolutely. What do you feel like today you think you're getting right? Ooh, so I think that I'm finally putting the right team members in place. Ah, <laughs> we have this that's gotta feel so good. Oh, we have this conversation all the time. Um, I find myself in these work ruts where it's like I'm excited about doing something for a while and then I'm like, I actually don't like to do this. Mm -hmm. So figuring that out took a while of like what I consistently, what I can consistently do year after year. Because mm -hmm. sometimes I like designing and sometimes I like doing our social. Mm -hmm. But if I'm the one doing our social for six months, I'm pissed. Right, <laughs> so right. now I finally figured out the formula to move forward and make scaling easier. At least I hope. Yeah, yeah. And I love that there's always a little bit of ambiguity around like, okay, again, 
am I am I doing this right? Maybe, maybe yes, maybe sometimes. Maybe it's like a seasonal, like I'm getting some things right this season, maybe next season, not so much. We'll figure it out. I'm always in it. I'm not getting everything <laughs> right season. <laughs> now, That's the only season I live in. I'm like, oh, well, that didn't work. Okay, right. well, let's try something else. Right. So tell us where we can find you. You can find me on these internet streets. You yes. can follow me on Instagram at NoviB at VetDeck. You can visit our site, www.VetDeck.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, on the Twitter. I don't tweet that much, but I'm on I it. love Twitter. It's like my favorite place. I know. I used to love it. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's a I'm black hole back of crazy. In. That's for sure. It well, is. No. I always appreciate you coming to have a conversation, and also just for ongoing friendship. Yeah. Like, yes. I treat you well. You do. You do. You, you feed me. Well me. I love it. I love it. We're gonna hug after this. We All are. Right. <laughs> awesome. That's it for our show, and stay tuned for the next one. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of I Think I'm Doing This Right. I hope this was your one hour to breathe, connect, relate, and realize you are not alone on one of the greatest self-development journeys there is to embark on, entrepreneurship. Make sure to share this with your other friends who are just trying to figure it out so more of us can have a safe space to learn as we grow. Until next week, remember, this journey is all about grit, grace, and gratitude.